Thank you for listening to Truth in Life, a concise Christian belief series. This class was taught on a Sunday morning at Christ the Word Church because we believe that God's Word is truth and that His truth should shape our lives. For more information on our church, visit ChristTheWord.com. Well, good morning. So, um, this is your last week with me. Last week I told you to stifle the tears. Now you can let them go. Let them go. <laughs> All right, so, um, so this is the last, last class. And then you, I think we have one week. Isaac, where are you at? Is Isaac here? Uh, if he's still outside. So I think there, uh, you'll have one week where we're collectively together, and then you'll, you'll move on. Um, so I want to take a couple minutes before we get through this, this last, um, last class on evangelism on, um, what, what has stuck with you? What are you, uh, thinking about? You know, the, you know, the question, what are you thinking about? Uh, that stuck with you so far, and what are you still wrestling with? Remember, that's the aim of this course is, for the most part, not to give answers. It's to make, provoke you to interact with a truth and that it sticks with you somehow, and you're still probably wrestling with it. So uh, my invitation now is to you, what, what are you still wrestling with, or what's a truth that's really struck you? can be of any of the five previous sections. Me too. <laughs> I hadn't thought about it like that until this course. Luther? Yep. I encourage you with that. He was talking about the length of eternity and... Uh, the example I provided, one of my encouragements to you is come up with your own, come up with your own analogy to try to interact with the length of eternity. Um, it makes it more real uh, in your contemplation. So other things that, how about one that you are still wrestling with? Or did I do a great job of explaining everything? Two things can be true at the same time. <laughs> um, well, speak up if you can yeah. the, the thing I'm still thinking about that I learned is that hell is not complete annihilation and that Satan is actually not going to be just in his own glory there and so trying to reconcile that with how I interact with people and where my thinking was wrong and how I think I understand and yet I catch myself believing those lies. And so trying to reconcile 
the truth that hell is not annihilation and that people think I'm just going to go and that Satan's going to be in his glory and that's not true. So how, how do I reconcile that with how I live my life and sharing those things with others and how do I catch where I'm believing that yeah. lie? <clears throat> so she was said um, really catching herself in kind of thinking that hell is a form of annihilation and it's where Satan has his domain. If, if you see the cartoons, if I'm interpreting what I, uh, you know, the cartoons where Satan's poking everybody else with the pitchfork and all his minions. There were minions here yesterday, by the way. <laughs> minions, different sort of minions. Um, where Satan is tolerant to the environment. You know, it's, he's, he can be hot too. And the reality is Satan is is punished eternally, and he and his angels, along with his followers. So, am I getting that right? Okay. Anybody else? What are you wrestling with that you have not resolved? Or a different one, Erica? You can ask a former question. Thank you. Anybody else? I know you want to. <laughs> I just noticed as I slowly moved my eyes this way, I just <laughs> started. I've done my job. <laughs> All right. Well, um, Okay, so heaven, hell, eschatology, um, Christian ethics, hospitality, and now evangelism. So I hope that you will see that they are all linked. They're all linked with eternity, kind of like a, uh, some sort of a chain. They all do have things in common with each other. So this last one is the practical, uh, practical side of evangelism. So we're going to talk about the idea of the Great Commission. Uh, just do it. And some maybe motivators for how to just get started and then why it contributes to building the kingdom. All right. So I'm going to show you a picture that... I always think about in my head, I found this on the internet, but I was trying to find something that I've thought about for about 15 years that uh, gets at evangelism. So what really started it was I was at, um, I was working at a CPA firm and there's another Christian there um, he was an auditor, very smart guy, and it had come to light that one of our clients was Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood is, in the United States at least, the largest 
at least financial supporter and supporter, uh, physical supporter of killing the unborn. Um, and so, like, yikes. And I had a, had a talk with this, this guy, and he, I think he was on the, on the audit team there. And, and I remember him defending, uh, defending it. But long story short, we got around this whole idea, what should we be doing? At what length should we go uh, to rescue the perishing? Of course, in this context, it was the babies, right? Um, but it got into evangelism. You know, what is love when we evangelize? Jordan, what does that have to do with that picture? <laughs> so the thing I always, for about 15 years, more than 15 years now, 20 years now, was this idea of going up a mountain. And it's so tight, you can't see around the other edge. And it's winding, and it's, it's single file. And you have somebody come from the opposite, coming from that, that angle on that rickety uh, boardwalk, coming to you and say, stop. You can't see it, but there's, there's an edge right there. And you, it's so tight, when you take that next turn, you're going to fall. Well, I can't see it, sir. I can't see it. Get out of my way. No. I'm telling you, I've seen people fall over and over to have disregarded this warning. Well, I can't see it. Get out of my way. I'm getting to my destination. Takes him by the shoulders. I am urging you, I am pleading with you, I have seen it with my eyes. I've been warned. That's why I'm coming back this way. Somebody else warned me as well. I got to see it. Right at the edge. At what lengths would you take to stop somebody? Like legit, if this were a real seeing world, would you get in their personal space? Would you say, Carter, I respect your opinion. I know you can't see it. Good luck to you. I don't want to be offensive. Is my analogy, all analogies break down, right? That, that quick, never mind. <laughs> Going to go on another trail. But, in a sense, how is that different than us evangelizing? I'm not saying we get in each other's space, but I'm not saying we don't do it. Is it that real to us that we see it like this, that there's an urgency to rescue the perishing? Is there an appreciation for God sending someone in your life to warn you? Something you didn't fully see. Did any of you have someone who took that extra step to warn you? 
including for a time, perhaps some of our, of our testimonies include times where you disliked that person. <clears throat> Not here to resolve anything. I'm set here to set the question, that uncomfortable question to you, what is love? If this is true, that you've experienced repentance because of somebody lovingly warning you and risking their relationship with you for something they, through the eyes of the Holy Spirit, now see vividly to warn you, what would you do? If this were physical, if this were a literal uh, happening, would you not take physical measures to warn them? Would you not risk violating their comfort zone or even their physical health in the short term? Who would risk, if this were a physical thing, who would probably risk violating their physical health to keep them from that? Is there anyone who probably can see that? I, I, I'm pretty sure I would do it, including, you know, covered by the Good Samaritan law in this. But see, this is helpful for me. I hope it's helpful for you. But it's, it's, this is the physical equivalent of the spiritual reality. You can use another analogy, but I was on that track. Ambition, a route that I thought was good, worth my effort, and somebody stopped me. I didn't see it. If people literally believed in hell and their condition before God, they would stop. I think this is helpful in terms of helping us think about when we evangelize, because it's under attack right now, what is love? You know, love is tolerance. Love is don't, don't get people uncomfortable. Uh, hate speech, all this stuff. And of course there's a form of it that can be abusive. Nobody's talking about that. Okay, you all heard the term the Great Commission. Yes? Is the term the Great Commission in the Bible? No. But it's a good start. I want us to hold on to that for a second. It is a great commission. So here's the text. Uh, would you read it out loud for me so everybody can hear in the back? Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And, I, and surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Okay, very good. Uh, we're going to reference this for the next few minutes, so if you want to turn there to refer to it, but mainly I'm looking at the section, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. This is Jesus speaking. And then there's a therefore. All right, so this is the text that your Bibles, that are uh, the parts that not inspired, has a section called the Great Commission. 
All right. So in that text, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. Who has given him this authority? God the Father, okay? All right, so we need to, we'll set this up here. And he says, therefore, go and do something. So who knows what a commission is? What's a commission? Not a sales commission. More, think more military or... You all hear that? So in, in, that's one example of a, of a meeting structure where the commission is given the authority from the overarching board to act on its behalf. Same, same thing in the military. You are given a commission. You are given authority to do something. Well, what do you, what do you typically give an authority for? Pardon? To accomplish something. So here's a command. This is just out of the, the, the text. So to make disciples of all nations. So that's the overarching thing. Go make disciples of all nations. And gives us a little bit of detail. So here's some instruction. You have the authority. You have the command. Now here's what you do. Baptize him them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything Christ commanded his disciples. So he's linking now this instruction back to the command. And Christ finishes this by encouraging his commissioned officers, his soldiers, I'm going to be with you. So, this is why it's, um, why it's called the Great Commission. Okay, why is it great? Question for you all. This isn't inspired, the Great Commission. Why is it great? So great being linked to one of his last instructions, right? Okay. Applies to everywhere and to every one of his people, right? Okay, Annette, did I see you? Is it? It's maybe. So you're saying because of the where it comes from is why we call it great. Okay? Other thoughts? Good thoughts? Good news. It's great because it's good news. Yeah, to, to the one in that picture, ah, thank you, the one who believes the warning, great news. So, uh, all, all very good thoughts. Um, here's some additional ones. It's great because it's a clear directive from our Lord, our commander, Jesus. Just period. 
Like, no emotion tied to it, no motivation, just simply His Lordship commanding. Everybody with me? Anybody not with me? Um, it's great in terms of benefits of obedience. I think we talked uh, first week about the notion of do we do things for rewards? And I think we, that is one question we did resolve in this, <laughs> I, I think at least with most. So it's, it's great in terms of rewards. Um, who said good, Lisa said good news. So clearly God uses this to advance his kingdom in terms of growing his, his children uh, through evangelism. Um, kind of saying the same thing, but in the reverse, because some of us are attuned to the positive and not the adversive. You know, think of evangelism in terms of rescuing. Scripture refers to that. Okay. And this is something I really, uh, going back to the conversation with my accounting friend, this really what the notion of love is when we, when we call people to repent versus not saying anything. And that, I'd have to share the rest of the story with you, but. Um, it's also great in terms of consequences of disobedience. Okay, that might strike a little bit less uh, logical. What, why would this, why might I say this? This is time you get into my head or, or maybe this already makes sense. Why is it significant, the Great Commission, in terms of if we disobey it? Consequences if we disobey. Remember, this is Christ's authority from God the Father giving us a command to go do something with instruction. Anything striking you? Gary? We're all we're wrapping this up. Like what Gary is saying is is what hopefully our mind is. The consequence and the reward are linked with eternity. Everything is linked, both in terms of I'm not saying if we don't evangelize the one person, we're not a Christian. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. But if it's a pathology of constant disobedience to our commander, if I'm getting what you're more what you're saying, Gary, that's part of a concern. Gary, you want to. Please.
Right. If the 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 um, the expression here, the idea, the thought here, <laughs> the sermon here is: if you don't have that burden of some degree, that is inconsistent with the Spirit of God having work to save you. Think about if somebody said, "Stop! Stop! Stop! Don't go there." And you realize, and you listen, is that heart not filled with real gra uh, gratitude? Again, this is not to say that everyone you talk to is evangelized. It has to do with this burden and you working through this discomfort of how do I get to do it? How do I? That's what part of this class is about, is to help. But if you don't have that, Great cause for concern. So this is great. I think the operative term here in this, this title is great, the significance of this commission. Scripture also warns us multiple times about the derelict or irresponsible watchman. You may not have heard of it in that terms. Many of your translations uses the word watchman. Often it's referred to someone who is of a pastor, of a, uh, but it's, it's not always. In Ezekiel 33.6, I'll read it to you. Um, this is, I'll just, let me read the first three, uh, five verses. This is 33. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of your people, and say to them, When I bring the sword upon the land, if the people of the land take the man of their coasts and set him for the watchman, if, when he sees the sword come upon the land, he blows the trumpet and warns the people. Then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and takes not warning, if the sword comes and takes him away, the blood shall be upon his own head. The one who disregarded the warning, the trumpet blow. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him, but he that takes warning shall deliver his soul. All right. But if the watchman sees the sword come, remember this is someone who is out on the parapet watching to see if there are invaders coming, people with the sword to do harm, if the watchman sees the sword come and blows not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take away the person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but the blood will I require at the watchman's hand. To whom much is given, much is required. All of us, if you're a soldier of the cross, one of your jobs is to be a watchman. It's to be a watchman within whatever environment you're in, with, with whomever, whatever sphere you interact with. Have you warned them? Uh, I'm not the paragon of an example here. I will give you an example of the burden of my heart. Um... Was I talking with you, Steve, about who I... So, it's very possible uh, I'm going to a new job. May or may not happen. But one of the things that's on my mind is, in the sphere, in my work sphere, who have I warned? Did I talk with you about... Yeah, so I was going through a list. 
not to gloat, not anything. I'm saying, who have I talked to before my time may be done with these people? And probably about half. Again, you may judge however you like. I'm not saying that's good or bad. What I'm giving you an example is my time will be done and I have had time with them. Have I warned them? <coughs> to neglect to warn them is the pinnacle of not loving. With hell coming, it is the pinnacle of loving myself rather than the people. Yes, Annette. Uh, usually more gracious than even that. Um, well, our job is to obey our commander, which is to warn. Just like Ezekiel says, your job is to warn when the sword comes. It's not your job to convince them. The Holy, that's the Holy Spirit's job, but he calls us to do this. What we know in Scripture is most people reject the warning. We've gone through that. I think several examples. So uh, we don't do it with the conviction that we are going to convince them. We do what our Lord tells us to do, and we will see fruit. We just don't know who that will be. And we're going to be mocked for it. Some will be kind. Some will be not so kind. So my, my encouragement is obey the command of our Lord. We're going to touch on that a little bit more um, okay, this is, uh, this is in your, your paper. This is a little more technical thing that I've been dwelling on for about three months. It's one of these that I want you to marinate on, soak it in, and think about it. This is my argument for why what we call the Great Commission is wrong. It's mistitled. You don't have to pay me for that. It's not in Scripture, so you can't charge me with uh, anything yet. <laughs> but, okay, we established all authority has been given to me by the Father, right? Comes with this power. Remember he says, lo, I'm with you even to the end of this age. Comes with this presence. And he gives this to us, so... The commission. Hold on. I think I got a slide out of line. Give me one second. Suspend what I just said. We're going to get back to that in a second. Um, so this is under the category of, of it being a command. We're simply to do it. So it comes with the authority. It is a directive. It's very clear, the Lord tells us. And we know in other, script, uh, other verses, we're told to be ready. Remember, you, many of you know this one. Always be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you. 
what does it mean to be ready? Be ready always to tell of the hope that's in you. Dominic? And it does say, do it with gentleness and respect. So remember, I said there is a way we can do this wrongly, even with the urgency. But I think we're tone sensitive to this part, tone naturally, if you're like me, tone deaf to our idea of what it means to call people to repent in love. Okay. Um, why don't we share the good news? Start throwing things out. Why don't we share the good news? Fear of man. What kind of fear? What are you fearful of? What am I fearful of? Rejection. Rejection? Yep. A sour word back. What else? Opinions? Yep. That's guaranteed. Other thoughts why we don't? Lots of fear. Bronwyn? <laughs> yes. Yep, that's legit. Fearful of not that they will ask you a bunch of questions you may not be uh, prepared to answer. Okay. All right. So some of them we already talked about. These are a few ones that I... I wanted to make sure we rounded out is, again, all I have to do is look at my own heart and my own approach, and that's how I teach as far as reasons why. If I'm forthright, I think, well, the Great Commission is, is one of a suggestion. It's a good thing to do because you rescue the perishing. That's why I focused really on the authority of the commission that God tells us to do it. It's not a suggestion. 
It isn't a, a buddy or a spouse saying, I think this would be good for you. Our Lord says, I have the authority granted by my Father. You now have the authority and the commission to go do it. Uh, maybe not exactly what you mentioned, Bronwyn, but this is, uh, we think our intellect, our ability to talk, or whether we're winsome. No, no, no. Extroverts are the only ones should do evangelize, which I'd be really happy with. Uh, introverts, we, we get a, I'm, I'm kidding. We think it has to do with our human ability to articulate. Uh, here's a support for uh, this discussion. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So it isn't through wisdom and eloquence. It's the power of the cross of Christ. Again, back to Gary's point, reasons why uh, we don't share. We lack the personal awareness, the personal experience of having the mercy of God and grace shown to us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who according to his great Mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Remember, always be ready to tell of that hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Um, this is often, if I look at my own heart, this is often the reason why I don't do it. And I have to take inventory of this and go through this again. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, Say it, teacher. A money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. Number 50 and 5. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have judged correctly. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she is, so you know this. For she loved much, but he who has forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are, have been forgiven. Like, do you, do you, Christ is always reminding us our worship, our actions, are completely linked with our recognition of the mercy showed to us. Little mercy, little action. Great mercy, great action. When I am dull and caring to obey my Lord on the command, <laughs> I'm forgetting His authority and what He's done for me. As we mentioned on the heaven section, those who worship much know that they've been forgiven much. So it begs the question, have you been forgiven of the five? Or have you and I been forgiven of the infinity? So here's more reasons why we don't. Uh, just mentioned not recognizing how much we've been forgiven, the fear of man, which has been discussed, 
we see eternity dimly, so it's not really in our, in our mind. We have a false view of love, what it means to, to call people to repent. We've discussed that already. Um, so, right on time, um, okay, Jordan, I agree with you. I do have this burden. Like you, I have this fear of man, but I, I should overcome this. What are, what are some tips? Uh, these are not technical tips. These are tips to prepare your heart and mind. Always have eternity on your heart. This is why it's important to, to go to funerals, uh, especially of the young. Something like that really has a profound impact on, on the shortness of life somebody had mentioned, um, and that eternity is right around the corner. So have eternity. <clears throat> Don't just think about heaven, but think about heaven. Think about hell, the glory, the reward, and the judgment. I urge you with everything that I have, and this is with the authority as an elder, and more importantly, the authority of Scripture. Think and dwell upon the mercy that God has showed you. We've gone through this several times, several verses. Revelation 20 is a great, the great account of the great white throne judgment. <clears throat> and this is all witnessed. So um, I would urge you to think about the day that's coming very soon where you will be a part of witnessing this great and participating in this great white throne. Again, this is part of having heaven, hell, and the judgment and reward on your mind. Okay, so I'm going to leave you with this. So remember the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, body, soul, and mind. That's the greatest commandment. Those who love Jesus obey him. You all know this verse. So Jesus Christ is our Lord. He is our commander. He is the one with the authority. All right, so where I want you all to, to leave is with this, what we formally, you know where I'm going, know as the Great Commission. Jesus was obedient to the Father. I'm just going back to that Matthew section. Remember, he was given the authority. It is from Jesus he calls us to go do something. He gives us instruction. That's all in your handout. And he says that he's with us. So now I ask you, and this is just something I want you to think about later, because it's, it's going to take some work on your part. Is this, in fact, the Great Commission? The Greatest Commission? I think it's important for us to ask this question. For 200 years, we've been told the Great 
really what's in, insinuated is it's the greatest commission is for us to go out. That's why I interacted with you, Annette, about isn't it the best work that we do? I'm not so sure. What actually might be the greatest commission from that text in Matthew? Okay, so discipling, being obedient, that's an option. Go, it's another option, that's more on the command side. Remember, it's the commission. Is it not that our Lord received his commission from the Father? All authority was given to, his, to Jesus Christ by his Father. Therefore, because of that, you have the authority. You have the power to evangelize, to do what you said. You have now the motive power to go disciple. It doesn't depend on our winsomeness. It is because the greatest commission was what God did with his God the Father did with his son. I think that's really important because when we focus on the emotional whether we obey or not on the evangelizing, I think we're forgetting what Jesus Christ did. All the authority that happened. That is our motive power. I'm telling you you think about it. Can't resolve it now. You think about it. It'll transform your view of evangelism. So it's necessary for something this heavy for you to take out of here. Last point. My argument, the greatest way to love our neighbor is to call him to repentance. Don't forget your neighbors. We all have preferences on who we're going to talk to, who we want to talk to. Uh, well, some are prone to talk to total strangers, but won't talk with their own neighbor. Probably that's more like me. So, Jordan, don't forget your neighbors. And sadly, this is the one I think is most neglected, is we forget our own family. Um, yeah as an elder this is something that unnerves me more than anything is when when parents assume things with their kids and like king david with abishai neglected to ask him why he did it and his son turned out to be a wicked man um don't assume things with your children, with your siblings. Siblings, nieces, nephews, aunts, uncles, spouse. Don't forget. Don't assume. Don't neglect. And we're done. Thank you for listening to Truth in Life. If you enjoy this series, make sure to subscribe. And remember, this is truth to live by.